Well, I'm glad to be here tonight. I'm glad to be part of the remnant. <laughs> and I'm glad to be converted and sanctified. And I love each one of you so much. Um, I don't mind being here. I get really nervous up to this point. But did y'all know that perfect love casts out fear? Have y'all experienced that? And I feel a lot of love when I get up in this pulpit. I hope everyone that gets in that, this pulpit feels that way. Because, you know, we know ourselves, and I know that I'm nothing. And I feel awkward, and like I don't ever have the right words to say. But I have so much confidence in God and in his word. And I know he'll bless it. Because he blesses me when I read it in my little home. You all have had that feeling before. And I don't feel like I'm anything, but I just know that the Spirit of God works. And it's real. And it's been in this camp meeting. And I love to look out at your faces. When I was, I don't remember my first sermon when I was 11 years old. But I remember testifying a lot when I was young. And I remember being very fearful. And you don't look at people in the face. You look straight back because you're so nervous. And that's just youth. But I love to look you in the face now. And I love to see your expression and your love and your amens and that we support one another. And I love that now. I guess sometimes the Lord gets you a little bit over the fear of the people and you feel the love of our folks. And I'm so thankful for that and thankful for this camp meeting. I'm thankful for the year that we had. I appreciate the young people. It was hard for all of us. But the young people were kind of thrown in a position where they had to be very disciplined. And I mean, even like in school, they had to take on a lot of responsibility doing that from home. And that was a lot. And I saw young people reach out to my girls when they had a lot going on. They had a lot of fears and they had a lot of concerns. And I saw them making those efforts. And I I would hear their testimonies in church. And I could see that they were grounding on the word of God and our, our young folks services are our best services at home because it is amazing what the young people have stood on and dug deep and found faith and hope and peace in the word of God because it's not anywhere else. It's in the word of God. And I'm just so thankful for that. And I want to tell them just to keep on going. But I, every text that you sent, one of my kids or another kid, it was God blessed it. And you helped someone else make it. So I hope you feel good about that, that you helped someone else make it. I want to help someone else make it. We all do. And just so thankful for the camp meeting, the spirit that's been so rich. And I have a few scriptures to read. Um, I kind of want to talk about the call. There's a lot of different calls in the Bible, isn't it? And I wanted to start with the call of Abraham. And I wanted to read it in Acts, where Stephen talks about it. And you know, Stephen, he was supposed to be serving the tables. That was the job he was given to do. But he sure did preach a sermon while he was serving those tables. We can be put in different positions, but when the word of God is in you, that's going to come forth, no matter what your position is. And he was, Alyssa read a little bit today, but she didn't read the first part that I was going to read. And in the seventh chapter of Acts, it says, and he said, men and brethren and fathers hearken, 
The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in, it says Quran here, but Canaan, and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and come into the land which I shall shew thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Canaan, and from thence when his father was dead, he removed him into this land, where ye now dwell. And he gave him none inheritance in it. No, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession and to his seed after him, when as yet he had no child. And God spake on this wise, that his seed should sojourn in a strange land, and that they should bring them into bondage, and entreat them evil four hundred years, and the nation to whom they shall be in bondage will I judge, said God. And after that they shall come forth and serve me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begat Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day, and Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob begat the twelve patriarchs. So when I think about that call that God gave to Abram, and if you read it over in Genesis, it sounds like um, his father, Terah, he kind of started the journey when he was in the land of Ur, and they went to Haran, and they dwelt there. They kind of, they got out of their country, and they, they went a little ways. And then God said, then God told Abram, get thee out of thy country. It's time to keep going. Yeah. And he said, I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee. I will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the Lord be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. So he left not knowing where he was going. Had no idea. Had No, he was not going to be given any inheritance in that land. He left and followed God to dwell in tents. I never kind of realized till I read it here in Stephen's account, I was reading through Acts, that he had no inheritance. It talks about it in, in Hebrews just a little bit, just a few verses. By faith, y'all know this so well, when Abraham, he was called to go into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of a promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob. The heirs with them of the same promise. And he looked for a city which hath foundations. Here's the real foundations. Whose builder and maker is God. So sometimes God calls us out. And he doesn't give us a lot of information about that. Have y'all ever experienced that? He just says, go. And we go. And we may never receive an inheritance for us to walk around on. But we can look for that city that has foundation, whose builder and maker was God. So think about that. He was called, really was called into the presence of God. That was his inheritance. Brother Tim said one time at home, we are living our lives in the presence of God. That kind of makes you stop and think, doesn't it? Everything we're doing, I'm doing in the presence of God. I don't want to do just any old thing. Do you? Not in the presence of my God. So that's what his, that's what he was called into. The presence of God. And 
he was content with that. That was his inheritance. He didn't need land to walk on or anything else. And it was years before he received the promise of that son. And he carried on obedient to God, dwelling in tents, moving with the unction of God. That was his inheritance. There's another call. This is kind of in a a different type of call. It's in Genesis. Uh, It's in Exodus. So when Moses was on that mount... And he came down, and y'all know the story, what Aaron did, and ooh, God had about had enough of those people. After he delivered them with such a mighty hand, the biggest miracles they had ever seen kept them safe. And when the Egyptians were suffering, when those pestilences, and it's not, it wasn't always that way where the Israelites were. He protected those people, and he brought them out, and he destroyed the strongest army of the land in front of them. The enemy that you see today, you're not going to see anymore. And it took all them plagues to get to that point, didn't it? When they didn't understand, it took all them plagues to get to that point so that their enemy was completely destroyed. Sometimes God takes a little bit longer than we are planning on, on our time, but he's taking care of our enemies. It's a promise. And in the 33rd chapter of Exodus... It says, and the Lord said to Moses, depart and go up hence. And the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt and to the land which I swear unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Here is that promise coming through. And to thy seed will I give it. I tell you, God keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. And I'll send an angel before you. And I'll drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. God's a jealous God. One of his names is Jealous. And he knew that if he was in the midst of that people, the way they had behaved, he would just consume them. And he he was keeping his promise. And he said, I'll send the angel. Go on. Go on to the promised land. But when the people heard these evil tidings they mourned and no man did put on him his ornaments and the Lord said unto Moses say unto the children of Israel ye are a stiff-necked people I will come up from the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee that I may know what to do unto thee and the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Oreb and Moses took the tabernacle He'd just been given some directions about that. But he took that tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and they called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out of the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass that when Moses went out into the tabernacle, that all the people rose up and stood every minute at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. God had their attention when he said, I'm not going with you. You're stiff-necked, you don't follow, you don't believe all the miracles I've done, I, I can't go with you. But man, that got those people's attention. And they're standing at the doors of their tent and watching Moses as he goes into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. The people are over here. Now these people, although they were stiff-necked, they knew what the presence of God, the presence of God was like. It was a cloud over them during the day. 
in that desert. Yeah, it gave them shade. It gave them, when in the heat of the day, right. it moved behind them when they needed, when that enemy was there, and it was darkness to the Egyptians, and it was light to the, to the children of Israel. And that presence of God was a, was a pillar of fire at night. Give them warmth. All those things they were used to. They'd seen those things. They knew what the presence of God looks like. You know, it looks like that in my life too. He's right there with me. He shades me in the heat of the day. He gives me direction. He guards me from behind when the enemy's coming up behind me like a flood. The spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against it. When it's nighttime and I can't see, he's my light. He's my warmth. He's my comfort. And to have that spirit of God all the time, that inheritance that Abraham was content with, just give me the spirit of God. So when most those people were concerned about having that spirit of God and, and, they, and when the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door and all the people rose up and worshiped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh to his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, he departed not out of the tabernacle. I kind of like that, that Joshua's like, this is a good place, and I'm going to stay right here. And Moses said unto the Lord, see, thou sayest unto me, bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I might find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here? that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Doesn't God know us by name? He knows us by name, and we have found grace in his sight, and his spirit is with us. And a brother said one time at church, it was Brother Joey Costa, and he was talking about this. And he said, and I'm writing down things like this. He said, um, this showed that Moses valued the presence of God more than he valued the blessings of God. I want to be that way. He was telling him, I'm going to, here's your land, here's your promise. The milk and honey's flowing. I'm going to send that angel. They'll do all the battles. It's yours. That's my promise. But they didn't want to go without the presence of God. If the presence doesn't go before me, carry me not up hence. I don't care what the blessing is. I need the spirit of God to enjoy the blessings. I need the spirit of God to use the blessings the way that God would have me to use them. I can't, I don't. I don't know what to do with them without the presence of God in my life. And I just love that Moses said, if you're not going, we're not going. That's another type of call, isn't it? If you're not going, God, 
I'm not going. Okay, and then he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Wow. Well, they were friends. They were talking face to face. <laughs> Lord, show me thy glory. Are we bold enough to ask God for that? Show me your glory. So I kind of looked up glory. And um, you think, when, just when I thought about the glory of God, I thought it's glory is the praise. We know that the heavens declare the glory of God. We see it all around us. There's no question the glory of God. And it's um, to honor God. We give him glory. We want to honor him with everything we have. It's righteousness. It's greatness. It's his holy power. But when you look it up, glory is often mentioned in tribulation. Well, glory in tribulation, in infirmities, in weakness, need. My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory. So when we say, Lord, show me your glory, there might be something ahead of us. But the glory is what carries us through when we're in a situation of tribulation, of weakness, or in need, or of suffering. That comes, that's when the glory of God can rest upon us. That's when we can really be witnesses to the power and the presence of God in my life. That even with the presence of God, I'm going to go through tribulation and distress. Yes, because I have the presence of God, and he's going before me. And Moses said, show me thy glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. I want to accept that. When God's showing his goodness, and he's showing his mercy... And he's being gracious. I want to accept where he's showing those things. How he's showing his mercy. How he's being gracious. And he said, thou can't see my face. For there shall no man see my face and live. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me. And thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass while my glory passes by. That I will put thee in the cliff of the rock. And I will cover thee with my hand. While I pass by. And I will take my hand away, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Moses wanted to see the glory of God, and God showed him everything that he could show him. I understand that we probably can't contain in my physical body all of the glory of God. But I'm so thrilled that there's times when we say, Lord, I don't know if I've ever said, show me your glory. But I said, Lord, help. That's one of the most powerful prayers you can pray. I've learned. There's been times when I've been in distress. And I just said, Lord, help. And I felt like he showed me part of his glory. And it was came in his presence. Being so, it was in a car at the specific time, I remember, just filled the car. And I just knew I'm going to make it. It gave me hope. It gave me peace. It gave me strength in the presence. Lord, show us your glory. I don't think we need to be fearful to ask him for that. Now we need to accept where he's going to be gracious and he's going to show mercy where he shows mercy. But I think we have permission to ask for the glory of God 
in our lives and to not apologize for it, for the glory of God. Don't be scared when, um, didn't Elijah, Elisha say, where's, he asked for the double portion. I always thought, well, that was kind of bold to ask for that double portion, but he did. And he kept following Elijah, stay here. No, no, I'm going to, I'm going to get, he did. He was willing to strive a little bit and press a little bit and, and get it. And then when he got that mantle, he smote those waters and said, where's the God of Elijah? And the waters parted. Show me your glory, God. Show me your glory. Show me that you're here. Show me that your presence goes before me and he will go before us. And I got another place to read. That's another, another type of call. And y'all know this. When the, Jesus sent his disciples in the ship to go to the other side, he sent the multiples, multitudes away. And when they went away, he went up on the mountain to pray. And the evening was come, and he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. So they were in the middle of a storm. It's really scary. And here comes Jesus. That's how he comes. And of course, they're afraid. Sometimes when God sends his help, we don't really know what to do with it. We can be fearful, but it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. When he saw Jesus, he would rather be in the middle of that storm out on the water with Jesus than anywhere else. He was in the boat. I was like, well, he's going from scary to scarier, it seemed like. But he said, Lord, if it's thou, bid me come out on the water where there's no safety net, where there's no boat. Let me just, it doesn't make any sense. But if you're there, bid me come. And Jesus said, come. (laughs) Come on out on this storm with me. On the water where the waves are tossing that boat around, but you come on out. He came and Peter came down out of the ship. He walked on the water and he went to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, beginning to sink, and he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. And he said to him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshiped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. They all believed. Peter walked on the water. Peter said, Bid me come. Are we willing to go out in the storm sometime? But if Jesus is there, are we willing to make things a little more scary, a little more uncertain? But Jesus is there. If your spirit goes not with me, Carry me not up hence. I thought, Lord, help us to have the courage as we go out from here to say, Lord, bid me come. Bid me come. I see if it's you, if it's you, if this is the God of Elijah, then bid me come. And he will come. And you know what's the worst that will happen? 
you might start to sink a little bit. We might. Things might come up. But we just say, Lord, save me. And immediately, he catches us. So it's okay. You can trust Jesus. When he's there, you can trust him. Bid me come. Not saying nothing's ever going to happen and you might slip or make a little misstep. But when you do, call on Jesus because his presence is right there with us. So I just want to say, be willing to bid me come. I thought about also when it's been said several times here that pray ye the Lord of the, look, the fields are white to harvest and the laborers are few. But pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he will send laborers into your harvest. When you start praying to God to send laborers, who do you think he's going to send first? Doesn't usually happen that I pray and they'll say, well, there goes Brother Brian. He went and took care of that. God's going to send you. So when you're willing, and when he said that, I was reading the different places One place he said that right after he got finished talking to the woman in Samaria. And they were in Samaria where the disciples were. They were a little uncomfortable in Samaria. And God said, look, the fields are white to harvest. Right there in Samaria. It might be a place that we're not as certain about or maybe not as comfortable about. But if God says the fields are white to harvest... Let's just pray the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth the laborers, that he will give me the boldness to say, my presence is going that way. Well, if your presence is going, I want to go. If it doesn't make sense to anyone else, but your presence is going, Lord, carry me there. Lord, bid me come. Lord, tell me it's going to be all right if I go by myself. But your presence is there. I want to value more the presence of God than anything else. Than all the blessings he could give me. Than anything else. Than all the, the, the riches or the family members or the, the blessings of, the ch- of our children doing these things. That's what we take. We just need the comforter. And I, want, I need the presence of God in my life. And we need it in our church. We need it in our homes. I need it in my school that I'm working in. And the spirit of the Lord can be with us. And I'm not going to say it's enough. Because it's more than enough. We can be more than conquerors if we go with the spirit. Go with the spirit and the word of God. And when you hear, that's a call. We can ask God to call us. He He calls. I believe he stands all the day long with his arms outstretched. I have a little girl I talk to a lot about her soul. And she says, I'm waiting for God to call me. But I feel like the call has gone out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know we can pray to the God of the harvest? He'll call us too. I know Brother Luke's testimony was that he came down to the altar to pray for conviction. But when I read, Jesus says, ask and you shall receive. Not, he didn't stop there. Seek. You shall find. Go looking. And then knock. Maybe knock. Do a little bit more striving and a little bit more praying. Because he's never turned a soul away 
that wanted to serve him. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. He is not far from any one of us. He is right there. His presence, go to where his presence is. His presence is in his praise, is in his church. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And that's where the presence of God is. And that's where it can minister to us. And that's where he will call you. He will send out that spirit of conviction if your heart's desire is that. So tonight, I pray that as we go forth from here, we desire the presence of God in our life. We do the things that inhabit the presence, that God inhabits our praise. Do those things. Read the word of God. Do the things that he would have you to do. Do things that are pleasing in his sight. I heard a preacher say, if you don't know if it's something you should do or not, think about on the day of judgment. Are you like, well, I hope he brings that up. Because that's what the things we want to be doing is the things that are pleasing to God. Do the things that are pleasing to God and we can have his presence day in, day out, a shade when it's hot, a fire when it's cold, a, a guard from behind us from our enemy and a constant presence that people can see in our lives. It's the glory of God in our lives. It's his presence. It's our inheritance. I'm so thankful that the call has gone out, that we accepted the call, and you can have the presence of the Lord tonight. And the good news is there's one more opportunity to seek the Lord. One more opportunity. I can't speak for how many more you'll have, but there's one tonight. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and to our God. He will abundantly pardon. I'm thankful to serve the Lord tonight. I love each one of you. We pray, remember me and my family.